Good morning. Today is the third and final week in Cleaning House, a mini-series in our greater series in the book of Ephesians. Today we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Feel free to open there. We will have the scripture on the screen as well for you as today I chose to go with the NIV translation, but I'll have some references to other translations as well. Some of us need to consider cleaning house. Consider our relationships, our marriages, our children, our parenting, as we've talked in previous weeks. And today, we talk about also considering those whom God has placed us over or around in relationships outside the home and in our work. How do we honor God in all these relationships? In our metaphorical houses, what needs picked up, cleaned up, mended, or some attention given to? We started with looking to our marriages, husbands and wives' responsibilities to one another and to God. We looked at sacrificial submission and sacrificial love. Both are needed. Both are needed for all of us. And then last week, responsibilities as children and parents. To honor, obey, and disciple, living lives with Christ-centered examples of value and care for others. In this time period, nearly every household was either affected by or dominated by master-slave relationships, and so it was natural for Paul then to see a need to give advice for how Christians are to righteously live in or around these relationships. This is what we speak of today, honoring God at work in these relationships. You see, it's estimated that back then there were more than 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire and as many as one-third of the populations of large cities such as Rome, Corinth, or Ephesus were slaves. Some in the Ephesian church were masters, as were some in the Colossian church, but many in the church were either master slaves or ex-slaves, freed men. In today's households, you may not consider yourself a slave, But we still have slave-like relationships of which we must honor God in. Work. And work should honor and glorify God. Our work and relationships serve as worship to God. We must consider work as worship. We are new in Christ and the gospel affects our relationships and our work. And if we claim to be a believer but treat our family members in the same way an unbeliever would, something is amiss. And the same is true for our relationships at work. Today we look at honoring God in our relationships and work. And the big, t- big idea today is simply this. As Christians, our work is unto the Lord and must glorify him. Again, as Christians, our work is unto the Lord and must glorify him. And the big overwhelming application point we'll have today is this. I'll give it to you right now. Write it down. Do everything in a way to adorn the gospel of Christ and to show him to others at work and in our relationships. We'll get more specific in this, but write this down. Do everything in a way to adorn the gospel of Christ and to show him to others at work and in our relationships. Work as worship. In today's scripture, Paul mentions slaves or bondservants, workers, and their masters or employers. 
Now, I want to note that Paul's mention of slaves and masters in no way condones slavery, or at least not in our more modern forms of slavery, which we've seen over the past several hundreds of years. Instead, he is commenting on a cultural reality of his day, admonishing both to do what is right because we are all ultimately accountable to God. Verse 9. We're going to read the scripture here now, and then we'll get into some background of what slavery looked like back then, being bond servants, being servants, being slaves, before getting into the application with this text. Please follow along as I read. Ephesians 6, verse 5 to 9 states this. Slaves, depending on your translation, some say bond servants, some say servants. Slaves, I've picked the NIV because I feel it's easiest to understand with this text today. Slaves. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Important statement there. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do. Whether they're a slave or free. And masters, let's not forget masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Thank you for following along. I'll leave that up there just for a few moments, but please keep your Bibles open to that. In our study of the book of Ephesians, we have seen in chapters 1 to 3 the many benefits we have received by God's grace. Starting in chapter 4, we see that Paul has called all Christians, God has called all Christians, to live differently than the unbeliever, for we are no longer futile in our minds. We have understanding. We're supposed to be imitators of God, not man, not the world. Our relationships with one another, especially within the household of God, should be marked by living according to God's design and not our or the world's preferences. How should we as Christians honor God at work? One pastor says this regarding this scripture. Christian slaves, notice I underlined Christian slaves, because we're supposed to be different, or Christian servants or bond servants, your submission to a master is totally different than the submission of all other slaves. Your submission is service to the Lord and not just man. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. Write that down. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. Let's say that together. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. You see, Paul specifically addresses how employers and employees are to deal with each other. How are we doing here? He deals with employees' work ethic first, and so will we. Number one, slaves and employees, or slaves or employees, or bond servants or servants. Paul makes three points to those who labor for someone. A, have respectful obedience to them. B, work as unto the Lord. And C, you will receive a reward. The NIV here states, again, let me bring it up for you. It states, slaves, 
or bond servants, obey your masters, your earthly masters, with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Just as you would obey Christ, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly, as if you are serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Notice first, we must notice first, Paul's direct statement is to bond servants, or depending on your translation, slaves or servants. Before we even get to the masters, employers, the bosses, those in charge, those given that direct responsibility of being over people, we must talk about those who are under people. And we are all under somebody, including God himself. Now, no one here is a slave in, the manner of, in a manner of speaking. We may feel that way sometimes, but we are free to make our own choices. Does that mean what Paul says does not apply to us? No. Because the principle he brings out does apply to us. Even, and even more so since we do have the freedom to choose our employment. If we do not like our employment situation and find the job intolerable, then we could quit and find another one. Even if it means a reduction in finances. We may not like the consequences, but we have choices. But wherever we find ourselves working... Our working, our attitudes, our ethics, our qualities of work must be as unto the Lord and glorifying, treated as worship to him. Now, some background before we get to the application here. Some have wondered why the scripture does not speak out against slavery and why Paul would say what he does rather than encourage slaves to run away or revolt and gain their freedom. The simple truth is that slavery in itself is not evil but only the practice of evil men who violate God's directions for its practice. Now, don't shut me out just yet where I have some more explanation here. You see, slavery was much different by this time, different than the history prior to this time frame, but also very different than the wrongful, evil ways of slavery practices of which we have seen the past several hundreds of years. The moment the Christian church started raising up after Christ... <coughs> Everything changed. People were treated with love, with respect, with humility, with submission, just as Christ died for us. We are to die for one another. One Christian historian writes about slavery. The fact is, by the time of the Christian era and the writing of this Ephesian letter, sweeping changes had been introduced which radically improved, which radically improved the treatment of slaves. Slaves under Roman law in the first century could generally count on eventually being set free. Very few ever reached an old age as slaves. Slave owners were releasing slaves at such a rate that Augustus Caesar introduced legal restrictions to curb this trend. Despite this, inscriptions indicate that almost 50% of slaves were freed before the age of 30. What is more, while the slave remained his master's possession, he could own his own property, his own possession, including his own servants, and completely controlled his own property so that he could invest and save to purchase his own freedom. 
We also must understand that being a slave did not indicate one social class in this time frame, as many slaves regularly were accorded the same social status as their owners. Slavery in itself was not seen as a bad thing here. That may sound a bit shocking to some of you because we've seen slavery take such a bad turn. And freedom is still best. But make a careful study of the Old Testament and you'll see what I'm talking about here. God allowed slavery in Israel according to the Mosaic law for good purposes. But there were many restrictions. A person who stole something and could not make restitution was made a slave until the repayment could be worked out. A plan that allowed the thief to regain dignity and that repaid the victim. It has been said that this plan is one which was superior to our current prison system, which dignity is destroyed and the victim that was robbed is often robbed again as he has to pay taxes to keep that person who robbed him in jail. In this time period... Someone who could not handle money or make it on their own would be in danger of being made a slave. So one of three things would happen. One, the slave, I'm sorry, the person before they turned a slave would get serious, learn quickly, and get themselves out of trouble. Never become a slave or a bond servant to begin with. Two, the family would bail him or her out and then give careful oversight. Or three, he would end up a slave and would be taken care of by the master. And he would get another chance to be on his own in six years or less. <clears throat> unless he decided he was better off under this care and voluntarily indentured himself for life. We today are often still slaves to a master. <clears throat> Excuse me. We voluntarily at times make us slaves, indentured servants to a loan, a mortgage lender, a car payment, a credit card. Some of this bad, some of this evil. Maybe to a boss, maybe to a family. It's not always bad. Sometimes it's good to humble ourselves in the presence of others. And it may all be used to bring glory to Christ as we see today. Here are some of the restrictions that were to keep slavery from becoming evil in the past. One, Kidnapping for any purpose, but especially for the purpose of slavery, was wrong. Forbidden. We see this in the Old Testament. All slaves were to be released at the year of Jubilee, which occurred every 50 years. We also see this in the Old Testament. Israelites who indentured themselves were to be released on the next Sabbath year, so that at a maximum it would be six years of slavery. And when a slave was released, they were to be given what amounted to severance pay. Slaves were not to be abused and were given freedom if seriously injured by their master. And then lastly, a slave that fled from an oppressive master was to be, to get, was to be given asylum and protection. But enough background here. Let's get to some application of the text. What are the principles for employees, slaves, bond servants, servants to follow back then and today as well. A, respectful obedience. The NIV says in verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Employees are to be obedient, submissive to their employers in everything and at all times. The only exception would be if you are told to do something immoral, unrighteous, 
something which would be in disobedience to God's word and ways. In the KJV, Paul says here, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Notice that according to the flesh. Or the other translation says to your earthly masters, because it's a reminder that while this obedience is important, this obedience is temporary. We also have a master in heaven that is not according to the flesh, the Lord, and our allegiance to him is first, foremost, and for all time. We do not violate his commands regardless of what earthly authority figures, including our employers, demand from us. However, be sure to understand that according to God's word, we are to do everything our employer asks us to do that does not violate God's commands. There are labor laws in America. Praise God for this. And we're protected beyond some considerable doubt to abuse. But also be sure that we honor God's word here. When it comes to God's word, how your employer treats you or how you feel about what you're asked to do is not an issue unless it goes against God's way. But in America, we do have the choice to quit the job and find another job if we continue to see an employer not treating us how we feel is right. 1 Peter 2, 18 to 20 gives us some additional instructions here. Take note, 1 Peter 2, 18 to 20, which says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, reverent meaning, meaning this fear, you are revering them with respect. You're looking to them. It's not a fear that you're afraid of being sliced down with a sword. You're respecting them, reverently fearing. <coughs> or here, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. We're thinking about our service to God. We're thinking about our witness to God, our testimony to God, our service to him. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow. Notice here again that since the purpose of the Christian's life is different from other people, the true believer behaves differently. Again, the true believer behaves differently. Regardless of who your employee is, employer is, or what they are like, respectfully submit to their orders, except in issues of immorality or unrighteousness. Respect is important. And our text says, with fear and respect, sincerity of heart <coughs> or trembling. This is not the idea of being scared and cowering before them, but the honoring and respect given by someone anxious to please. This is the idea of honoring and respecting with an anxiousness to please. As one pastor used an example of a dog, the dog is so anxious to do what his master says that his wagging tail is shaking him all over. Now, if your boss wants you to do something you do not think is best, then certainly appeal to him. Ask them if they would consider something different, but leave the matter in their hands and make sure they know you will do whatever way they decide, as long as it is not violating God's ways. And then consider your next steps, your future. Don't argue. Don't get mad. Don't sulk. Don't talk behind their back. Don't be disrespectful in any way. Simply submit 
to follow your employer's instructions. Our quest is to demonstrate Christ-honoring behavior regardless of any short-term consequences to ourselves. Again, unless sinful, immoral, unrighteous according to God's ways. Take note again, Paul adds in Titus 2, 9 to 10, Titus 2, 9 and 10, try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show to be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, Savior attractive. You see, the behavior of our lives is to bring glory to God and attention to our Savior and the new life we have in him. Live according to his standards in every area of life, including work. Paul says in the end of verse 5, in the sincerity of your heart. You see, there is to be nothing false of in our submission to our employers. We serve them with true hearts. Why? Because we work as unto the Lord. We work to Lord. Our work is worship. Our labor is to always be as to the Lord, not by the way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good service as to the Lord and not to men. Christians are always to do their best because all they do is to bring glory to God. <coughs> you are on the front lines of a mission field where people gain understanding of Jesus by seeing his life live through you. That is why it's so important that you, have, you behave as Jesus would, regardless of how your employer treats you. Can people see Jesus Christ living in you? Can your boss see Jesus living in you by your work? There are a lot of people that work by way of eye service and men pleasers. These are those who work in a different manner when the boss is around. But when he is not, they slack off. Let's be honest. If you cannot perform your work the same way, whether your boss is present or absent, then you work by way of eye service. Christians are not to work by way of eye service, as if their boss was, we are to walk, work as if our boss was always looking over our shoulders, because the true boss, God, is always watching. And generally, somebody else is always watching as well, and we are creating an image for Christ within our lives. Our lives should reflect Christ. What kind of job would you do if the product produced was given straight to God? What kind of work would you do if it would be to the Lord himself and that he would sit down with you for your performance review? How would you use your time on the job, Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ was boss or your supervisor? If you labor, if your labor would change in any way, then you need to change it now because God is all those things to you. You see, the Christian is to be a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser. A God-pleaser. Work to God and do this from your heart. Let me say that again. Work to God and do this from your heart. This is God's will. And this is scriptural. And see, finally, you will receive a reward. The Christian is to work in this manner because he knows that he will receive a reward from the Lord at the proper time. Verse 8 says... You know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Now, don't misunderstand me. Our, our salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, by faith alone. Our good works do not earn us salvation. But we do have a great reward awaiting us in heaven. 
We may not be justly compensated by our employers today in this present time, but God will reward us for glorifying him in our work. We're looking toward and living for eternity's reward, not what occurs in the here and now. Number two, we talk about the masters or employers. As verse 9 says, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours, their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Employers are to give respectful leadership and remember that they too are slaves of Christ. A, respectful leadership. Paul tells the masters here, the employers of our day, that they are to do the same things and give up the threatening. Their attitude towards their workers is to be the same as Paul already told the employees, the slaves, the bond servants, to respectfully Submit to them. Be respectful and run their business and direct their employees according to God's standard of righteousness, truth, honesty. To treat them as human beings. To treat them as image bearers. To treat them as God's creation. Their priority is also to be doing everything as unto the Lord, seeking his will out above their own. To glorify God and bring attention to Christ's love. The Christian boss is not to let authority go to the head and feed pride as it does the rest of the world. The authority we are blessed with as leaders, as employers, as bosses, as masters should humble us even more. For we have been placed in this position by God. He or she is not a superior that cannot associate with his laborers. Someone who is set apart and unreachable. No, we are there with them serving. He or she is willing to get in and get dirty as needed, leading by example, by humble and sacrificial love, submission to the employees, because this is what all Christians are commanded to do. And finally, he or she cares personally about the employees and their welfare, understanding that the business is for their benefit as much as it is for himself. And then B, a good boss leads without threat. No threat should be necessary if both sides do their part. Now, threats are bluffs designed to scare a person into working. If you don't do this and that, then I am going to do this to you. The Christian businessman or woman is to be fair, equitable, patient, and truthful. No threats. But do clearly spell out what is expected and the consequences if the work is not completed as required. And follow through. But in the same way, find times when grace and mercy are necessary to be shown as well and show Christ's love through these things. The Christian employer does all this because he knows that they too are a slave of Christ, working unto God. So see, we talk of slaves to Christ. The one who truly holds all power and authority is the Lord. And whoever you are in the workplace, employee, or employer, we work unto the Lord, so that all who see your work or working may see Jesus through it and through you. All believers have an equal standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, because in him there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, Galatians. There is no room in Christ's church for an employer to become proud and condescending to his employees. You see, to summarize, a Christian employer should be the best employer there is to work for. And he or she will be 
if they recognize that they too are slaves of Christ and run their business in humility with love and respect as slaves to him and according to God's word. And therefore, a Christian employee should also be the best employee there is. And he or she will be if they do work as unto the Lord as well. Obedient and respectful and thinking of eternity in mind. We work as unto the Lord, period. Exclamation mark. We work for the Lord. We have work as worship. It does not matter who our boss is or if they deserve it or not. They do deserve the best work we can do. This is God's will. Another thing within the church, we can worship right alongside our employers and employees. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and this comes first. In fact, you can even have situations where at church or in spiritual matters, employee leads over the employer. But be careful that on the job, you keep the right priority. The employer is still the boss. The employees is still freely and respectfully to submit. And that is a witness of our submission to God's word and will. But employers do not take this for granted. Treat them as Christ treated us. Remember, whoever you are, wherever you are, do everything as unto the Lord. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. Say that together with me. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. All is from Christ. All is for Christ. And then a final question to ponder. You see, we do everything in a way to adorn the gospel in Christ and to show him to others in work and our relationships. So the question to ponder is this. Do people see Christ, his love, and the new self you are through him at work and by your quality of work. I want you to ponder that this week. As you work, do people have opportunities to see Christ in your quality of work, at your work, in your work? Do they know you're a believer? Because they should know that we are a believer. We should have evidence of our faith. Let's close in prayer. And then we'll have one song to focus on the goodness of God. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we have this great blessed opportunity to come before you every single Sunday, to study your word, to worship you, to learn of your ways. And Lord, we pray that today we would take this seriously. We would take it seriously that we have a responsibility to treat work as worship so that all may come into a, a knowledge of you and your ways. Lord, so that you may be glorified in all things. Amen.